Welcome to the Be Free RE podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angotti, who in five years quit his job and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do and more of what you want to do. All right, Tony, what's going on in your world, man? How are things? Things are going. Living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> Just We're, like every other day. Yeah. We live across the uh, across the street from the grocery store. We can see the parking lot. So, the, the metro parking lot is empty now and the grocery parking lot is full all the time because the coronavirus yeah. is upon us. It is. It's here. Full force. People yeah. going nuts. Buying their TP. <laughs> yeah. I actually did hear, though, if you get it, you start basically pooping nonstop. So, your rumors are about as good as every other rumor I see. So, <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, if you run Vas- if you rub Vaseline on your elbows, you're immune. <laughs> I haven't heard that <laughs> I one. don't know. Oh, no. Oh stupid. Boy. Well, today, uh, we have a couple of calls coming in, but they're basically all about tenant screening. So, we have questions about criminal backgrounds, pets, smokers, uh, all those kinds of things. So, should be an interesting episode about kind of how to review tenants and how to kind of navigate communicating about tenants uh, and sort of screening them as they come in. Nice. Yeah. So, with that, let's jump over to hear a little bit about some criminal background and screening. All right. So, with that, we have our first question from Kevin about criminal backgrounds. So, let's send it over. Hi, Kevin from Washington, D.C. I'm wondering to what extent you're willing to place tenants with a criminal record. Obviously not ideal, but assuming they have an income source they can verify, would you be willing to sign a lease with someone with a criminal past? Any causes for concern or issues you've come across that we could benefit from? Thanks. Criminal past. Depends if we're talking about Jeffrey Dahmer here or just Broski who likes to drive his crotch rocket 100 on the highway after 4 a.m. But really, it depends a lot on your screening practices, and the fair housing laws have a lot to say about this. You can screen on criminal background, but you do have to have really rigid practices in how you do so. So my advice is that you write down your policy, and you don't deviate from that policy for anyone for any exceptions. When it comes to criminal background, also keep in mind there's a difference between arrests and convictions. Somebody's arrested, you can't really hold that against them because they haven't been proven guilty yet. If they've been convicted and served time, well, that's a whole different story. That being said, just because someone's a criminal doesn't necessarily mean that they haven't been reformed. So if someone served time and come out, and that was a long time ago, and they've been reformed, well, that's just the system doing what the system's supposed to do. So that's hard to hold against somebody. That being said, if you have policies in place like we do that say certain things are rejections and within certain timelines, then that's perfectly fine to do because we're concerned about the safety of fellow residents in multifamily buildings. So certain things like drug-related offenses, assaults, murders, different stuff like that, those are going to be rejects. But what you have to do is you have to have that all written down and enforced completely consistently. Any inconsistencies in reviewing criminal background can result you in 
can result in you getting in hot water with the Fair Housing Authority. So basically, just don't be a jerk. Screen people as is appropriate and keep the safety in mind of fellow tenants. This shouldn't be used as a way to discriminate in any possible way, which is why you keep that consistency in your practices. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it's kind of tangential, but uh, we actually had some recommendations from a lawyer about something similar when we already had a tenant in place. So, we were going to help them out with something and uh, they recommended we document it and that we uh, basically be prepared to apply the same kind of assistance to all of the tenants evenly. Uh, That way, you're not in violation of any kind of discriminatory practice. Yeah, that's really what it is. I mean, it's just kind of consistency in how you treat things. That's why documenting everything is useful because then you can go back to your book that says what you did last time. And I do want to point out just the basic uh, cover your butt here that if you really have questions about this, you need to talk to a lawyer because I can give you some information on what I do, but I can't really advise anybody on a, I don't moonlight as a, as a fair housing attorney. It's not uh not my background. <laughs> Background's a science guy, not a, uh, a lawyer guy. All right. Awesome. Okay. So, with that, we actually have Anna with a couple of questions about uh, some bunnies and a cat. So, let's hop over there. <laughs> All right. Cool. <laughs> Hi, Tony. It's Anna from Dormont. And my question for you is, what do you do if a prospective tenant wants to move in with her 10 cats and a bunny? Thank you. If a tenant asks to do that, then I ask them to cut me in on their petting zoo because I want some of those profits. No. However, I think that in a scenario like this where you have someone um, looking to move in with a lot of different pets, you could pretty easily just tell them about the pet fees and those will add up pretty pretty significant. For instance, I charge $50 um, per, per pet. So that in your scenario would be over well, actually, $550 a month um, just to house those pets. However, in that scenario, I would probably just reject the app. Yeah, so this is a, kind of a, a strange one that we ran into, something similar, where we actually have people come and tell us that they have service dogs now. and uh, All the time. Yeah, and dogs uh, are emotional support animals that I guess there's a whole spectrum of service animals. So I'm actually curious what you've done with that, Tony. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we tried to broadly be nonspecific about the situation cause we don't allow dogs anyway, but, um, you know, it, it got into like a, some, you know, verbal threats essentially from a prospective tenant. Yeah. The, uh, service animals and emotional support animals have been, pretty common thing recently the service animals i really that doesn't personally bother me all that much because at least service animals are like trained and there is i mean those service animals have been around for a long time in common usage that's like pretty established thing they're usually well-behaved dogs don't have any personal issue with that both kinds of animals though you're not allowed to charge anything extra and you can't deny them even if it's a no pet building you can't deny them for that reason the problem with the emotional support animals right now and i talked to my lawyer about it and he basically told me i can't reject them based on it so there's nothing i can really do but the issue to me and the reason why those people that are using it falsely are going to ruin it for everyone that needs them is because if you go online right now i probably shouldn't even be saying this because now we're going to get even more emotional support animals if you go online you can find 
pay $20 for a consultation with somebody and get an emotional support animal waiver. Yeah, exactly. So it's basically like people are turning it into a business just to for people that want dogs. Because for me, I don't know, personally, I'm like, I'm going to sound super insensitive, but it's like, we allow cats in the buildings. If you really need a emotional support animal, why can't you just get a cat? Why does it have to be a different <laughs> kind of animal? Like, why do you have an emotional support lizard now? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But long story short, you can't really do anything about it, unfortunately. Um, if the animal's destructive or something like that, you can still bill them for damages. Um, or if they're causing a disturbance, you can tell the people that they need to take care of it. Um, but as far as preventing them from coming in or charging extra or whatever, there's really no way to do that. Let's jump over to our next question with Rich. He's got a question about painting brick and dealing with a smoker. Hi, this is Rich from Albany, New York. Uh, Two-part question. First question is, I have a brick building that seriously needs some repainting. What are your thoughts on return on investment for painting a brick building? Um, do the tenants care? Uh, I think they would care for just curb appeal, but maybe they care more about the inside of the apartment. But if it's really gross, I think that would maybe, you know, maybe dissuade some people. Uh, what do you think about getting more rents and return on investment there or anything I should consider when hiring painters? Second question is that I have an inherited smoker uh, in one of the apartments. And how do you handle those situations? Uh, doesn't seem like she's going to quit to stop and I hate to evict her. And the other tenant downstairs is her family member and she doesn't seem to mind. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Seems like the damage is already done. Uh, to the property. So I'd have to, even if she stopped today, I'd have to do some serious cleaning anyway when she leaves. Thanks. So we got a two part question here. Uh, answer the first question with the brick. Really up to you. I don't think that there's a specific return on investment that you'd get for painting the brick. It might make it look a little bit nicer, but there's not like a specific number you're going to get from it. In my experience, at least in Pittsburgh, the brick seems to look nice for a little bit of time. But if you paint raw brick, then you're just kind of creating a new maintenance task for yourself. Whereas if you leave the brick as it is, you're not really going to need to do anything with that. However, if it's peeling and looks pretty bad, you might want to paint it. To address your second question, um, sounds like you have a situation where, like you said, the damage is already done. You do have kind of a fire risk with somebody smoking, but if the, um, but that's going to be more of an insurance question. So, Obviously, you don't want to burn the building down. You can tell the smoker that they need to smoke outside um, or face potential fines. However, as long as the other tenant is okay with that, and like you said, if you're not looking to move on from them and do that renovation, you might just live with it until one of them leaves, and then you can make it no smoking moving forward. However, it is going to be kind of difficult to get that smell out, just a heads up. There are a few ways um, that I've seen, but there is going to be a decent amount of damage and uh, mess to clean up whenever you're done. I don't know. Uh, John, do you have any anything else to say there? Yeah, we, we had one tenant who smoked in the place for 10 years, and he was probably, probably a pack-a-day smoker. So if, if that's your smoker, you know, uh, you're going to have to do major remediation, like Tony said. You know, not not just smells, but you're going to have tar, your, you know, your ceiling fan, your your oven. I mean, it's going to be a major project. So, 
I think even worse, even worse if they like the wacky tobacco. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> we don't have we don't have uh, experience with that uh, with tenants, but uh, yeah, way more oil. Oh yeah, that makes sense actually. Yeah, it's that's the worst. Well, you guys, so you had somebody that smoked. What'd you do to clean it up? Um. The best technique I would give is to actually heat vinegar and basically Hmm. steam vinegar and you'll actually see the nicotine start to bleed down the walls. It'll be running down the walls. So, get cleaning vinegar or get like cooking vinegar. Don't get cleaning vinegar because it'll be really toxic in the house when you're doing that and it's going to be pretty nasty. So, pick a summer day or something, you know, close it up. Hmm. Uh, boil your vinegar and then open the windows and then basically go around and do that a couple times and you know other than that it's kind of the standard non-interesting stuff where you I guess you can go with TSP if you can get that it's pretty gnarly That's chemical what done. yeah it's pretty gnarly so definitely glove up for that um, and then I did it kills is pretty good too <laughs> yeah. yeah uh so wait you um so boiling the vinegar works obviously in the kitchen what'd you do in the other rooms so you can buy you know you can buy a hot plate that basically oh okay uh, that makes sense boil you know it's like a thing you could cook ramen on in the uh you know and i guess a good way to think about this is like that's how you clean your microwave so you put a cup full of vinegar in there and you just microwave it for however long you're supposed to clean microwaves yeah Uh, (laughs) okay (laughs) but cool uh, but yeah Um, that is hands down the best technique that we've discovered uh that's good but yeah, yeah if I, you have carpet, I actually had a forget about it, you know. Yeah, and you just got to replace that. Yeah, rip so. it out. I had a buddy in the Navy who actually rented an apartment while he lived in Hawaii, and he had no stove, so he used a hot plate for his entire three years stationed in the Navy. So didn't think of that. Uh, we've always just used the ESP stuff, scrub the walls. I've definitely done it without gloves. Recommend you use gloves because my hands definitely uh, didn't feel so great afterwards. Probably will have early onset cancer one day. Um, hopefully not, but I don't know. The chemicals are bad news. And then, like you said, kills as the next layer kind of works. And then you paint over top of the kills usually. Um, and kills is just so- like a super heavy duty primer. I've also heard of people with like ozone, uh, like they get ozone generators or something hmm. and they run them for smells like pets and cigarettes and stuff, uh, other things. There's whole companies that do their remediation stuff too, but that's usually pretty pricey for what it what it really is. It just takes a lot of cleaning. In my experience, you really don't even get rid of it. Same thing with like really pungent foods. Sometimes those are harder to get rid of too. Yeah, yeah. And I I would also kind of add on, we actually have a guy who's been smoking uh, in our house hack now. He's, you know, he's been smoking there for four years and my property manager went over and uh, asked him to stop. I wasn't super worried about it, but he basically was like, look, I've been smoking here for four years, you know, and he's an all right tenant. So, you you do kind of just have to weigh the like, you know, it's kind of an emotional human decision. You know, it's not a super calculated thing also, you know, and he he doesn't smoke that much. It doesn't smell that bad in there. Yeah. So, we kind of said, and and that place has carpet in the kitchen. So, when he leaves, we already know we're doing a lot of work. So, you know. Yeah. Makes sense. You're property manager, huh? 
Yeah, my property manager, aka my wife. <laughs> the boss. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. The enforcer. I, t- cool. I told her, I was like, don't go over there. What are you going to do? <laughs> you just yeah, there's not much you can do. I mean, if they're already used to it. We like sent out nasty grams at apartment buildings before. That's what I call letters that tell people to stop doing stuff. I call them nasty grams. <laughs> and we like told them that uh, a lot of people actually did stop because we told them that if we caught them, we would find them like $100 for the first offense. And then the second offense was eviction. Mm-hmm. But mm, I really don't know. It depends how many people in the building smoke too. Because like you'll get enforcement if one person cares. And then tells on people. Um, but if you, everybody smokes, then it's like, hopefully the building doesn't burn down. We told them, we also told them that our insurance wouldn't cover a fire from a tenant smoking, which I have no clue if that's true or not. And then I told them that if the building burned down and they were found at cause, we would potentially hold them liable for that. Uh, probably not enforceable at all. Hopefully none of my tenants listen to this podcast about real estate investing. I imagine they probably won't, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Hopefully people don't. And then I guess to bring it back to his first question about painting brick, uh, I, I totally agree. I think I, you know, people are doing a lot of super modern stuff now where they paint the whole place white. That just seems like a maintenance nightmare waiting for you down the road. But um, yep. it, it might work if you're doing one of the more aggressive investment strategies where a refinance is involved and an appraiser is going to come value the property. That's maybe the one situation where I would be more willing to uh, consider something like that. But, but I haven't done it. We've talked about it, but we, we ultimately decided against it. I think because our building, I live in a place, my house hack that I live in, we have pretty mismatched brick. It looks pretty terrible to be honest. Um, They took out like old huge windows and replaced it with totally different brick. So you can like tell where the old huge windows were and where they put in the newer windows. So nice that we have new windows, but the brick looks like garbage. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of live with it until we're ready to sell. And then before we sell the building, we'll probably paint it because people will think it looks nice. But for me, I don't want that extra maintenance task that's all you're doing is creating maintenance tasks same things with like in sink disposals in my market nobody has a disposal on the sink and it's all old plumbing so if you put a disposal on the sink all you're creating is a new plumbing problem for yourself and a new thing to break same thing with ice makers on refrigerators if you hook up an ice maker on your refrigerator guess what's going to happen the ice maker line is going to leak and then you're going to have a big water leak in your house. Whereas you could have just given them a normal refrigerator. (laughs) So it's like, I don't know, all those stupid things, all the extras that nobody really even thinks about when they're looking at your apartment, unless you're in a super, the only exceptions if you're in like a super high end neighborhood where you actually need those amenities, but in a basic sort of rental area, nobody's going to, they might think it's nice that you have an ice maker on the refrigerator, but nobody's going to be like, oh, I'm not renting this one because I have to manually make ice in trays. Yeah, and de- if, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and if they do, I don't think you really want that person as your tenant. And, uh, and I also think the same thing about painted brick, man. You know, they don't they don't really care unless it's egregious. Like even, you know, candidly, Tony, I've been to your place, I've never even noticed. So, <laughs> there you go. Also depends, like, I think it really depends on if it's already been painted and if it's like peeling all over the place and just looks crappy, then yeah, okay, paint it. 
but don't create the problem for yourself. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, um, I think with that, we're going to roll into the recap. All right. So, just to sort of recap what we discussed, you know, we, we said you really need to be documented and consistent in any of your practices, both evaluating tenants and really whenever you interact with tenants at all. Um, with pets, you need to explore using fees. Um, can't apply those to service animals, but, you know, for someone who has a lot of pets, um, you know, simply discussing the fee structure should be a deterrent. When it comes to smoking, you really need to kind of do the cost-benefit analysis of you know, what, what damage or what additional labor are you actually saving yourself by uh, getting a smoker to stop if you can even get them to stop? And then kind of lastly, when it comes to painted brick and, and uh, garbage disposals, really understanding, you know, what are value-add improvements versus what are senseless improvements and, you know, what does your tenant value for your neighborhood and for your property type? So, anything I missed there, Tony? No, not really. I mean, won't have to worry about 10 – Emotional support animals. <laughs> I hope not, at least. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty uh, disturbed individual, I yeah. suppose, if they need 10. Yeah, that person's uh, already emotionally destabilized. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and then on the smoking, the only point I want to add is just like what we were talking about was if they're already smoking pretty much when you buy the building. But when you place new tenants and sign new leases, you need to be really clear with no smoking and make sure that you lay down the law from day one pretty much yeah agreed agreed okay well with that tony let's bounce into uh what's something you learned this week me or you uh you can go first unless you need right. some time i learned just to make sure that you're keeping adequate cash reserves i know that right now we're recording this during all the instability of the coronavirus stuff um, I guess we have to release this one super fast so that that sounds relevant. But I just know that like when I talk to other investors, um, there's going to be some people who didn't keep cash reserves adequately. And those people are going to be the ones that are likely going to get burned. So, we'll probably talk about cash reserves in a subsequent episode eventually. But um, you really need to be making sure that you can float your expenses for probably at least three months without any income. Um, just because you're going to have stuff go wrong. You're going to have months where every roof in your portfolio goes bad. Half of your furnaces go bad. All kinds of things happen. So, if you're not keeping those cash reserves, you're really going to get slammed. And from analyzing my own portfolio, I learned that us being a little bit more conservative in those practices makes us a lot less stressed out about everything that's going on as far as our tenants being out of work than I think of a lot of people that I know are currently. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's, it's kind of a timely lesson of boy. Yeah. Hard to, hard to kind of understate. Uh, like it's not a, it's not a problem until it's really a problem. <laughs> so, yep. uh, well for us, so what's we, something you learned? We woke up to a puddle of water in our kitchen floor this week. And, uh, the lesson there was we basically had the tub reglazed. And when they did that, they came in and they uh, took the drain out. And it's just one of those things like every project becomes three projects. You know, <laughs> it's a small little thing. And honestly, it's a very strange problem how it all unfolded. But, you know, it's just it's one of those things where everything, you know, there's no simple 
nothing is ever simple when it comes to water is probably if I had to summarize it in one line. So, even though this had nothing to do with actual like valve remediation or any actual plumber was involved, you know, still hit the water lines, probably shook, you know, put a pinhole leak somewhere when they moved this valve out or this drain out and woke up to a very wet kitchen floor one morning. So, that was... Did you just fix it or did you get somebody over there from them to fix it? Uh, it's a, uh, we actually haven't fixed it yet because it's such a small leak and, uh, kind of the backstory is we, we filled the tub up for our daughter and we didn't drain it overnight. And then I guess, you know, it's really old cast iron piping. So I'm guessing one of the fittings was just kind of, uh, it's a drum trap. There's like all these little things going on that makes it complicated to fix. So I'm trying to think about how to actually handle that, but, um, it, it's not critical. We just have a piece of tub. Tupperware under there now that catches a small drip. I'm trying to see how fast it's coming out. So, but uh, I think to actually sort of reiterate something you've said before is like one of the really nice things about a house hack is you actually live in the property. So, I'm not dealing with a tenant who's super upset about their kitchen floor. Yep. I'm just dealing with my wife who's regular upset about the kitchen floor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not even the kitchen floor. It's probably the ceiling. That's the bigger problem. The kitchen floor gets wet. You just wipe it up. The ceiling is a thing. The other thing too is like you can, the house hack part of that's nice too. Not only do you not have the pressure, but you also don't, you're living there. So, you don't have the same requirements for who you hire to fix it. So, you don't need to like send a plumber there tomorrow to charge you $500 to go fix your drain and everything. You can probably just, if it gets bad, cut open the ceiling yourself, do the drywall, learn how to put in a drain. If you want, it's your own house, so you're allowed to do the work. Exactly. And you can do that over time, make sure you don't have to like be all stressed out about it. So that's cool. Yeah, it's hard to, hard to understate how cool the house hack is for a number of reasons, especially when you don't know what you're doing. It's, it's a very gentle way to ease in. We also have noticed that all of our house hacks, it's been like way smooth as far as maintenance concerns because we've sorted out all the crappy stuff that's happened at the unit while we lived there. And then by the time somebody else moves in there, we've kind of touched up all the major annoyances. Yeah, just minor annoyances. <laughs> yeah, well, there's some things that are kind of expensive that don't really, you just tell people like, sorry, is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, not really like a hazard or anything. Yeah, not. So. Yep. All right, man. Well, I think great episode. Appreciate your insight with all the calls and uh, anything before we send them off. Yeah, uh, I guess if people want to find out more about me, you can follow me at at 412agent. You can follow the podcast at at BeFreeRE. Those are on Instagram. Um, Not the best with social media, so I almost called it my face. But (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. But uh, and then you can follow me on Facebook to say moniker 412agent. Um, My website's 412agent.com. And then... uh, We will have a website for the podcast eventually, but that's where you can find out more about me, John, your, you troll that be free RE Instagram tag pretty frequently. Yeah. Send over questions if you get stuck with anything and, uh, uh, yeah, we look forward to your questions and we'll try and answer for you. All right. Have a great one, everybody. Yep. See ya. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you want more, check us out at be free RE on Instagram. And let us know what you thought. Stay free.